0: You're listening to the Mom and Dad podcast.
1: A podcast about balance, growth, and navigating through your 20s and 30s. Hello you guys. It is another wonderful Friday. Welcome back to the Mom and Dad podcast. To the Mom and Dad podcast. Oh, <sighs> okay. I have a little cold, so I'm just going to apologize now for any sniffling that you may hear during this episode. So, yeah, I'm just saying that real quick. Get that out there. At first. So in this episode.
0: In this episode, we're talking about what is most important between talent and skill.
1: I don't think we're debating. I guess we're debating what's more important, but we.
0: You can't. We're not. Well, first off, what we're not doing is saying that one can be completely discarded and the other completely relied upon.
1: Yeah, I think that they're both necessary. I think what we're trying to do is, like, what is our question here? I don't think our question is, which one's more important? I think the question is, which one is going to help us succeed? Well, put. which Which one should we hone in on to find success
0: find I, fulfillment I, which one's going to lead us to the most fulfillment
1: yeah so that's what today is about but let's do a little updating because i think we should acknowledge the fact that there was not an episode last week which we are very bummed about but life was just really crazy it we just was not happen
0: wednesday night Last week, we did have thirty-five minutes of this episode recorded. Yeah, that we ended up scrapping because we were so tired. We were and so then, tired. Then, for a string of extenuating circumstances, we just well, we able were to planning it out before Friday.
1: Yeah, well, we were planning on finishing it, but it just, it just didn't, it didn't, it didn't not happen. It just couldn't happen. So mm-hmm. here we are. Forgive us. Forgive us, please. Um, to the 12 of you that listen, please forgive. But here we are, we're back, we are ready to go, and we're excited. So, um, also, I I wanted to address the show that we've been watching, which we haven't watched in a couple of days, and I really want to get back into it, is Buffy the Vampire.
0: Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
1: Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That is so...
0: Offensive to me, as a longtime Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan, that you would call her a vampire. Buffy the, the Vampire. exact opposite. She is the, the Slayer. S- if you follow the premise of the show, the only Slayer on Earth. And you called her a vampire.
1: Okay. Yeah, so I had never seen this show before. But I am loving it. It just is so 90s. And some of the things in it, it's like, that would never fly today. Like, if you said that or did that, it would just not fly today.
0: Yeah, like, one episode, the students go to the zoo on a field trip. They get possessed by some crazy hyenas that have some sort of spiritual power to possess people. And then they eat the principal of the school. (laughs) the students
1: yeah it was it was it was intense
0: it's such a great show though
1: but i am intrigued
0: it is so good nonetheless when i was when i was we we did uh, we actually thought through it i was a, i was either nine or ten so a pretty young kid my friend kevin and i never missed an episode we watched it every tuesday night Buffy the vampire slur
1: And it makes me kind of want to watch How I Met Your Mother again because the lead girl, well, not the lead girl, but the supporting girl in it, the redhead, Mm -hmm. she is Lily in How I Met Your Mother. Have you ever watched How I Met Your Mother?
0: I've watched a couple times and I I don't find it funny.
1: Okay, well, (laughs) years ago I was really into How I Met Your Mother and... I don't know I'm just like getting that feeling I want to watch it again But I'm really bummed because I know you don't like that show So I When am I going to watch it (laughs) Or just force you to watch it
0: That could happen too
1: I think I think you Even though I like Buffy the Vampire Slayer I think you owe me Because Buffy is six seasons Seven seasons Seven seasons It's a long show I think you owe me at least a season of How I Met Your Mother.
0: We'll talk off.
1: <laughs> off mic? Off
0: a recorded conversation.
1: No, I need you to commit <laughs> on record right now that you'll devote at least one season to me.
0: I plead the fifth.
1: Okay. Ugh. Come on, just say it.
0: I I might. <laughs> I will consider watching it. But
1: okay, if I'll it's not it.
0: funny in the first two episodes, then I reserve no, my No, You veto can't do to... two
1: because they don't even develop their. Okay, then we're starting it at season two because I feel like actors and shows don't really hone into their characters until like season two. For example, The Office. Michael is kind of just like really uncomfortable in season one.
0: Super cringy. True. But I feel like I've watched several episodes from several different seasons of How I Met Your Mother. And it's just, like, forced. I don't Mm. know. It just doesn't seem funny. I don't know. Uh,
1: um, I I Uh, could see where you're coming from with Ted. Which one's Ted? Ted is the main guy. Like, he's not great. (laughs) No one likes him. Ouch. No one really does like him. Everyone that I've talked to who watches that show, they don't really like Ted. But the supporting... And this kind of goes along with our episode today. You guys, these supporting actors and actresses are necessary for this show and for any show. Like, I don't know. I'm going on a rant here and I'm sniffling a lot.
0: Well, I I am open to being persuaded, but I also want you to be open to being persuaded to how unfunny the show is, if that turns out to be the case.
1: Okay. Well, fine, but I've already watched it all, so.
0: But maybe you're remembering it wrong, or maybe you just didn't have a good sense of humor when you watched it.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Anyway. Cool. Right. Anyway. Well, that's that. Is there now anything your else? My life is updated. Um, Remy said night night tonight <laughs> for the first time. He also pooped on the
1: carpet this morning. Oh my gosh. Do I have a story for you guys? So this morning, um, we took a shower and I got him all dried off and I may, I was gone maybe 30 seconds to go grab a diaper in his room. And I, he's never really, when he's not wearing a diaper, he's never really had any accidents.
0: Never. When he never was a peed, newborn, never, yeah.
1: when he was a, like a couple days old, he did pee outside of his diaper. Okay, you guys, you might want to skip this if you're like sensitive to like potty talk because <laughs> this is you get kind of comfortable with it when you have kids. Um but anyway, I ran to go get his diaper and was gone for like 30 seconds and I come back in and he had pooped and he had stepped in it
0: on your white carpet.
1: On the white carpet, stepped in it took a couple steps because it was like in there was like multiple spots and when I was walking in he was like picking it off of his foot with his hand and in that moment I was like what where do we go from here (laughs) because I don't know what to do first like I think the first thing I should do is make sure it doesn't get in his mouth like that's the next hazardous thing that could happen I didn't even think about that like it was all it was on his hands you know? So I was like, I grabbed some like baby wipes and I like started wiping it off and it like wasn't coming off all the way. So I just like filled the tub and I just like threw him in the tub, made sure he was all like clean. And then, and then I went for the carpet and luckily it came out really well. I'm not smelling any smells. Do you smell anything?
0: I don't smell anything. And honestly, that carpet cleaner was amazing
1: yeah it worked amazing i'll link it on my instagram (laughs) so go check it it's gonna be on my favorites uh for wednesday maybe i don't know we'll see but yeah it totally took it out i use this stuff like on our couch all the time and on wherever there's a stain i use it but came out fine everyone's everyone's safe everyone's fine but it was it was something to behold. Yep. It definitely was a wild morning, <laughs> but yeah, that's my story for you. Anyway, with that that all that being said, let's finally get into this episode. Let's do it. What fuels you? To put effort into something you want to be great at.
0: I think the thing that always, in this again, is coming from my sales background, where they always you are you're always counselled to think about your why. And Brian Tracy, who's a a sales guru, he talks about having like a bag of whys. I think it's from him. It m- might also be from the Iron Cowboy, who's awesome in in his own right. But basically, having a, a a bag of whys or writing out a list. I think Brian Tracy recommends writing out a list of a thousand whys. And he says, you know, alone, you know, one or two reasons why you want to do something or achieve something isn't, isn't going to be enough of a driving force when you're, you know, when you're in that, the, the unfun parts of, you know, achievement, which happens after the initial hype wears off. Um, and so, Having that long list of whys and continually adding to it is kind of like, you know, adding, adding uh, fuel to the fire, um, just keeps it burning so you can sort of sustain that that growth. And I've always found that to be helpful, but it's always, it's definitely like, it's not easy to, to keep doing that. It takes a lot of discipline just to do that, to feed that fire constantly by adding to and reviewing that list. Um, but it is something that that I've seen to be helpful. What about you?
1: Have you done it before?
0: I have, yeah. So I I did that the summer that I hit my best my my best sales target or my, my best sales achievement when I was in door to door, and I wanted to hit 300 sales in the summer, which in pest control is is not like a crazy number, but it's it's you know probably only. 10% of the industry has done it and I I really wanted to hit it and so I wrote out all of the reasons why I wanted to hit it at the beginning of the summer and it was a it was 5 months and you're basically going all out for 5 months straight and it's really exhausting but I felt like I was able to achieve that because I I broke it into little pieces and I had my my list of whys that I kept referring back to which it's definitely yeah. Like I said, it's not like an energy drink, like it, like it's a, a pick me up. It's sort of like a slow burn, but it, it helped me get through and ultimately achieve that goal. How about you? What helps you stay committed to something? Cause I mean, you've been doing Instagram for the last almost four years.
1: I think the thing that fuels me and it isn't very glamorous, but just because I've been doing it for so long. And I don't want all of that time and energy to go to waste. So the only option I have is to keep going. But the thing that I've learned from that is because I have realized that before that, okay, well, of course I want to like succeed at what I'm doing, but I continue doing it because I've put all the time and energy, but that doesn't mean you should continue doing the same thing you're doing right? Like, so I've, and it's almost not a good thing too, but it is a good thing. Like I'm kind of going, I'm taking turns, you know, like I'm still, my goal is still the same, but getting there, I'm just navigating in different directions. Mm-hmm. Like I am like, okay, well that's not working. Let me see what this does. Mm-hmm. You know?
0: Yeah. No, Tony, here we go again. Tony Robbins. Um, his ultimate success formula in the personal power to sort of 30 day long work thing that he he says is first is know what you want. Then I can't remember what number two is, but number three is be flexible or no, be aware to know if it's working or not and then be flexible enough to, to change.
1: Because my goal isn't unclear. Mm -hmm. Like I see lots of people who are where I would like to be. It's just getting there is almost like a secret or it's people argue that it's oversaturated. Like there's just so many people trying to do it nowadays, which shouldn't hold you back from doing something Mm -hmm. just because so many people are doing it like that shouldn't hold you back. But anyway, I feel like the journey to get where you want to go, it's never going to be super clear. So you have to do some navigating to see what works and see what doesn't.
0: Yeah, I think that reminds me of, there's a book called The War of Art, which is kind of a play on words from The Art of War by, I think, Sun Tzu. But The the War of Art is basically about how creative people make good creations, good art, you know, musicians or artists. or um, And one of the things that he talks about is that most people think that creativity or you know, being able to create something that's worthwhile happens when the muse strikes you, or you get this this lightning bolt of inspiration, and then then you create your masterpiece. And you you can just sort of sit around and wait for that to happen. Um, but he says that he he quoted a, an author who said, "I only write when I feel inspired. Luckily, I feel inspired every morning at nine o'clock." So, like the idea is like you just you just grind. You just put in the the reps. It's like the the ten thousand hour rule by Malcolm Gladwell. If you just put in the time, eventually you'll get really good at something. And I think that the idea that that it kind of plays into the whole being flexible idea. Because if you if you think that oh I just need to figure out that one great idea that's going to get me to where I want to go, you almost end up you know just waiting and letting the train pass you by. Whereas the people who just put in the work day after day into beating on their craft, they see opportunities arise because they're in it and you just can't see opportunities arise if you're not sort of active in it.
1: Well, I've also heard if you're not practicing your skill, you're not going to be prepared for the opportunities. Mm -hmm. The opportunity is going to come and you're just, you're just not going to be fit for it. Mm -hmm. So if you are constantly practicing and getting better at your craft, then when the opportunity arises, you're ready for it. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I've heard the the definition of luck is when preparation meets opportunity. Yeah. And that's like the harder you work, the luckier you get. So anyway, I I think that's, I think that's important to know when it, when it comes to like what fuels you is just being, being, not being a dabbler, not being someone that only does something when they feel excited to do it. Cause it's not about the emotion because that excitement is always going to be there when you first start something new and it's always going to drop off fairly quickly, but you need to be able to, to find something else that, that sort of keeps you moving toward that thing. And you know, like
1: find something else. What do you mean?
0: You need to find something other than initial hype to keep you moving toward mastery. And as you move toward mastery, you'll get more and more skilled Until the point where you, you, along the way, you find some sort. You'll have more perspective. I think that's what it is more than anything. It's, it's perspective, preparation, and skill, and sort of awareness of your space gives you more perspective of the opportunities to exploit within the space. If that makes sense.
1: Explain further.
0: So, uh, I don't know. For me, thinking about, for example, like jazz, singing, jazz is difficult. It seems really easy, but it's very difficult because there's you have to be you have to be able to listen and you have to know what to listen for and then you have to have ideas lead you into you know creating something spontaneous, which I was never very good at. But as I you know went through four years of college learning about it, um, y- you start to get sort of a, an awareness of the field of the people that you're playing with. And the more the better that you understand music theory and all of the the different paths that you can take, the more you can kind of be in the moment and just sort of observe instead of being so nervous about like, oh I'm supposed to do this, or when they play this chord, these are the specific notes that I could sing that would sound cool. Um whereas once you're once you've sort of gotten that a certain level of mastery, then the the field is more open to you and you're you're, you're more prepared to spot those opportunities to make something really cool. Does Mm, that make sense?
1: Yeah, that does.
0: Um, and I think that's, that's kind of the, the role that skill plays is getting you to that point to where you can have that sort of vantage point of, of knowing, you know, being able to understand where, where the opportunity lies. And maybe that's just because I'm learning a lot about crypto right now. And I think there's a ton of opportunity Um, but I I think it's, I think it's applicable in, in any space where you're, you know, you're wanting to become more skilled.
1: So developing a skill can be time consuming Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to sacrifice things for it. Like especially time and energy, Mm -hmm. you have to sacrifice those things and, To become an expert at something or to succeed in something like there is work that is involved. So do you have any examples of times when you're, you were willing to sacrifice comfort or simple pleasures to develop a skill?
0: Yeah. I think, I mean, the, the example that comes to mind door to door. (laughs) Yeah. Door to door is, is something that requires a great amount of sacrifice
1: and un- being uncomfortable
0: being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think that that door- was that
1: the example you were going to say?
0: Yeah, it was one of them that came to mind. I think door to door is, is interesting because it's very much like a burn the boats type of mentality. Have you heard that saying before? Uh, maybe I think it came. I think it was Hernan Cortez conquest of Mexico. The, the indigenous natives of Mexico, um, Showed up and wanted everyone to really fight their best, right? And so he burned all his boats. So he's like, you guys are going to win this. You're going to conquest this land or you're going to die trying, but I just burnt all of our boats. So by the way, we can't leave. Mm -hmm. So it's like win or die. Um, And so that's, that's sort of a, a mentality that people use when they, when they want to, you know really be good at something. And it's I, I see a lot of value in it. And I think probably the the first time that I heard it was uh, my, my friend Robert and I did a road trip around the United States a couple of years ago. Anyway, we were doing a research project on the American dream. We wanted to interview people. We just stopped random people on the street and asked them what their definition of the American dream was to see if it still existed. Anyway, that process led us to in Louisiana, we met a street mu- street musician, and I think it was in New Orleans. And he was the first—he's like, I'm, I'm all in with this. And we're like, you're all in with being a street musician? He's like, well, I want to be more than a street musician. Like, I don't want to perform on the street forever. I eventually want to make it. And we asked him what his advice would be, because we always liked to ask people for advice, especially if they were doing something with their lives that seemed kind of radical— and he was like, burn the boats. He's like, I could, I could work a nine to five and then try and do magic on the side. But this is my, this is my, my biggest dream. Like I'm willing to sacrifice everything for this. So I quit my job. Like I'm out here every night. This is my thing. And it, I'm, I'm either going to make it or I'm going to make it. And that was something that really struck me. And I feel like that's the way that I approached door to door is it's a lot easier to make a sat like one big sacrifice once, as opposed to making a bunch of little sacrifices over and over and over again, because For it different takes things. Yeah. Or like sacrificing the same thing over and over again. For example, like with door to door, you're sacrificing your entire summer and you make the decision to sacrifice your summer, arguably one time when you sign up to sell door to door and you could do it. That's like when most people like to go to another city or they like to drive out with someone else. So they're stranded and they have no, they have no option burn to the call boat. Yeah. They burn the boat. And so that's the idea is like, I, I find a lot of value when you're committing to something to make, to, to find a way to sort of box yourself in so that you can't make excuses because your your mind David Goggins says your mind always has the tactical advantage over you because it knows your weaknesses and it knows what you're thinking. And it always wants to take the path of least resistance.
1: What would you think about having like an end date? If something isn't working, you're like, okay, well in five years, I'm just going to burn the boats until then. But if it just doesn't work in five years, then I have to do something else.
0: I think there's a lot of value in that. There was a, a network marketing guru named Eric Worre who talked a lot about that. He's like, all of these other gurus are always talking about can't quit, give your life for it, you know, success, this and that. And he was like, you know, maybe maybe you for some of you in this room, he was giving a presentation. Like for some of you, you know, maybe quitting is the answer. So I think that, that there's a lot of wisdom in that as well. And and bear in mind, like I I think that you can very quickly spin out of control with the whole burn the boats mentality. Like it needs to be taken, it needs to be well thought through and reasoned before you just like jump, you know, burn the boats and quit your job and go off to be a rock star or something. Um, but I I think that having some 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 checks in there, some safety checks, where it's like this this is my three month three month benchmark. This is my one year benchmark. This is my three year benchmark and really using a lot of self-evaluation to see if it's paying off and if you're making the progress that you believe you should be making. And if not, again, be flexible enough to try something new. Um,
1: Not something completely new, but just a different path to get to your goal.
0: Yeah. Again, you don't want to be a dabbler. You're always working towards mastery. So you should have that end thing that you're trying to really master or become an expert at or an authority on or whatever it is. Um, but be flexible enough to change your approach as you go, but also be honest enough with yourself to self-reflect along the way at certain fixed intervals so that you can make sure you don't find yourself suddenly 10 years down the road,
1: haven't gotten anywhere,
0: haven't gotten anywhere. And then you're like, wow, I, I just wasted 10 years and arguably it's not going to be a full waste because you learn, you always learn something. Um, but again, you don't want to spend 10 years if you can you know, get, and save right. yourself some pain. Right. Do you have any times that you've been willing to sacrifice comfort or simple pleasures for, you know, something greater, or developing mastery?
1: Um, yeah, I, every single nap time, <laughs> that's kind of the only time where I can actually have comfort or mm-hmm. like, I don't know, just relax and just do nothing basically. Um, but I don't, and I am literally during nap time. I am just going, I'm just like creating, creating, creating during nap time because I know that's my only time. And even when he's down for sleep at night, like I I do like relax a little bit and just chill out. But I just feel like that's my only time to really do anything and to get stuff done. So I sacrifice that time, which I could just be relaxing during that time, but I, I don't do that. I just keep working at my stuff. <laughs> so that's that has definitely been a sacrifice. And it's really funny because years ago, but I always told myself, oh, thank goodness, like kids take naps. Because I'm definitely going to need a nap during that time as well. (laughs) Like I always thought I was going to be a napper when kids napped or like when my kids napped. But that has not been the case. Like I've just been like going, going, going because I know that's really the only time I have to not have like any background noise or anyone trying to pull my attention away. So that has been my sacrifice.
0: Would you say that that's? Partially due to the fact that you're different than you were and you don't take as many naps as you. Well, I think
1: I have more endurance than I did Yeah. because I don't think I had very good endurance to be going all the time and all day long. Like that, that almost seemed unimaginable to me to be going all day long. Like no way. That's why I thought like, Oh, thank goodness baby's nap's. Thank goodness, baby's nap because I'm gonna need a nap Mm -hmm. because I can't just like go all day long. But I think having a baby, it's just inevitable to gain endurance with that kind of stuff. So I think it just came naturally in that sense. But like, I've definitely changed in the in the area of like wanting to pursue something for myself. Like that's definitely a new development. So.
0: And I think that's that's a good argument for why you should have something that you're you're doing to con- you know once you get out of high school or college or whatever there can be like a tendency to just sort of live and I I think there's a, what you just said is a strong argument for why it's important to keep growing because even more so than when you're in school and it's sort of mandatory when you find some sort of passion or something that you're constantly learning or growing it's, it's helping you to build a work ethic and sort of self-reliance and all these really good skills that will help you in other aspects of your life too. So now we'll, we'll kind of transition to, we've been talking a lot about skill. Um, we'll transition a little bit more to talent, but just offhand, would you say that you, th- you find more importance in skill or in talent?
1: I think with either one talent or skill, like it doesn't matter which one's important. It matters which one that you choose to develop. Like if you have a skill or if you develop a skill, like skills are developed. Talents are something that you're just like naturally good at. Right. Can you agree? That's kind yeah. of the definition of talent and skill. Sure. You can only go so far with the talent if you're not consistently developing it. So I don't know. I feel like it's a choice if you want to develop a talent or if you want to start from ground zero and develop a skill.
0: Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. And, and my background is generally more leaning on the importance of skill. It's like you hear the saying in sales. And I feel like in sports a lot, you hear the saying that talent or skill beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. And I think that's that's true, but I also think that it's important to if you if you find your talents intriguing or you enjoy your talents to develop them. Um and so I, I don't know, I think there's yeah, I think I think like what you said is it just depends on which one you you care about. If you don't care about your talents and you want to learn skills, then learn, you know, develop a skill, something that you care about.
1: And it's, maybe it's not even necessarily what you care and don't care about. Like, for example, I sing and this isn't to sound boastful, but I sing. That is one of my talents. It's, it's not that I don't like to sing. I could definitely choose singing and develop that even farther and do something. Or I can just sing for pure enjoyment, mm-hmm. you know, like not to pursue it or want it to be something that is bigger than what it is right now.
0: Growing up, I always thought my, my talent was like writing and rapping. Like I wanted to be a rapper. Um, and I, I basically sort of, I saw that as like my skills or my talents. Like These are my talents. I have to do something with these. And I basically turned myself off to anything else because I was like, I can't, I just didn't believe in my ability to learn other things.
1: But I think that's also your personality. Like you're all in or you're nothing.
0: Yes. And maybe zero no or hundred. One, maybe <laughs> no, I, probably no one will relate to that, but
1: no, I think there are people like that who are either zero or a hundred. I'm just saying, I feel like that plays a role in you like, I have this talent. I have to go full force with it.
0: That's true. I'm just saying. No, I think that's true. And in the turning point for me when I realized that I could learn things was on that on the road trip. My friend Robert and I went on the road trip around, around the United States. We stopped in Houston, Texas, and we interviewed, and I think I've talked about this before, my great-uncle John, um, who his story is really, really a cool story because he went from almost flunking out of high school because he was dyslexic at a time when they didn't really know what dyslexia was. And then he eventually learned how to be a draftsman. And then once he had the confidence that came from learning how to become a draftsman the draftsman was like, I think, I I don't even think it exists anymore, but it was a job that you would draw for architects, if I understand it correctly. And, um, you'd like draw blueprints, Mm -hmm. but he would become a draftsman and he he thought to himself, well, I, I guess I could learn that, maybe I can learn something else. And then he tried something a little harder and then he got to the point where now he he's, well, he's since stopped, but he used to host a very successful radio show in Houston and he was a, a dean of the University of Houston and very, very accomplished in a lot of different ways. And I, on that road trip, we stopped at their house, we had lunch with them and asked them, you know, what what advice would you give to someone our age who's just, you know, going through college and trying to figure out their way in the world. And he always said, or he said, um, your brain is your most precious asset, stretch it, grow it, do anything you can to keep learning and growing. And then he told the story about becoming a draftsman. And I, I, I've always loved that. Like that, that was a light bulb moment for me where it's just your brain. Like when he said, stretch it and grow it as much as you can, I was just like, I guess I, I could try learning new things. Like maybe I do have an unlimited potential to learn new things. And then granted, like that doesn't mean that I can just pick up anything and become the best in the world at it, but I can learn things that I want to learn. And that for me was when I finally let go of this like talent and started looking into, you know, what type of skills can I build? And I feel like that has helped me in That advice has helped me in so many ways to not just pick one or the other, but to let a combination of both sort of guide me.
1: So I think the moral of this podcast is not one or the other. It's not talent or skill. I think talent can get you ahead of other people who don't necessarily have that talent, but it's only going to get you so far. Like the person who's going to get ahead is the person who chooses that thing, Mm -hmm. to pursue that thing and to develop that thing. That's the person that's going to get ahead.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think most people accept that. And I remember a lot of times listening to this Will Smith's, it's like kind of a mashup of like a bunch of different Will Smith interviews. And Will Smith's like one of my heroes. So, but he always talks about, he's like, I don't have, like way more skill or way more talent, natural talent than most people. I don't consider myself extremely talented, which obviously he is fairly talented. Um, but he's like, the differentiator for me is a sickening work ethic, is I think the way you put it. He's like, the the only difference between me and any other guy is that I'm willing to die on a treadmill. He's like, that was his example. He's like, you're not, he's like this, if you put you and me on a treadmill, there's only two, one of two things is going to happen. Either you're going to get off first or I'm (laughs) going to die. That's (laughs) it. And, And I think that that's, there's so much truth to that, that, that really it, it does come down to like what you choose, like you said. And if you're willing to put in the work and like Will Smith, another part of it was like, he's like, when the other guy's eating, I'm working. When the other guy's sleeping, I'm working. And I got ahead just because I outworked him. Um, But then to contrast that, we also, like we watched that interview with Gary Vee, which was interesting because he was really advocating sort of the opposite, and you can make the argument that he's just being contrarian so that he can get views, right? He's, doing the, he's saying the opposite of what the main, majority of people say so that people were like, oh, this is new. This must be you know, the, the secret. Um, but I think there's, there's truth to it as well where he was basically saying you need to lean into your talents more than people do because we've, we've sort of become so obsessed with like, and I think it's partially the hustle culture where it's if you just work hard enough, you'll get there. But he was like, "You need to you need to take stock of of what your talents are, and you need to play to your strengths, as opposed to just focusing on no. As long as I work hard, I can do anything or be anything." What do, what's your take on that?
1: Oh man, well, we've talked about the hustle culture before, and I feel like Will Smith is almost encompassing that, like, die to <laughs> be the best, yeah. which I. It's worked out really nicely for him, but I don't think most people should take that approach Mm -hmm. because that's not what life is about. (laughs) It's not about, well, you can choose what your life is about. I'm not trying to choose what you want your life to be about, but that's exhausting. I think it's just, it's a personality thing. Like Will Smith has the personality for that.
0: And that's what and gives him fulfillment, That which that's I think what is what we're talking him. about at the end of the day, skill, talent, it needs to lead to fulfillment.
1: Yeah. And if it was someone like me, it's like, I'm, I will be the first person off this treadmill because <laughs> if you're going to die, I'm just not even going to try like that. That's just my personality. So I think it's just whatever you, you vibe with and whatever brings you fulfillment and whatever will make your life enjoyable and happy, if that is dying on a treadmill, then go for that. You should do that. But I think a lot of people or just some people aren't that way. So as far as like also leading into your talent, um, I think that's a good idea. Um, because, and I think that's also what you're saying like oh it's another insight for the the key to success like here's another idea for being successful is honing into your talents but you know everyone has their own path (laughs) moral of of the story everyone has their own path and if if leaning into your talent is what's going to help you thrive then you should do that
0: yeah, I think that he, so Gary Vee said something in that interview that I thought was interesting, where he said, some people are fantastic number twos, or they would be fantastic number twos. They'd be fantastic number fours, number fives, number sixes, but they're trying to be number ones. And he, what he was meaning by that is like, not everyone is a, is a number one, because number ones are always on. He's basically equating a number one to a CEO. He's like, what he is. So he's like, so I see so many people that want to be entrepreneur entrepreneurs. Now he's like, some people just aren't cut out to be entrepreneurs because an entrepreneur needs to be a number one. You need to always be on. You need to be able to push through a ridiculous amount of rejection and you need to, to thrive off of it instead of letting it sort of cripple you. And, and, and he said some people are just better in supporting roles and if you're aware of kind of what your talents are and you're aware of where you fit in best i think that i think that that is ultimately something that can really help you to find fulfillment and can guide you in deciding you know whether it's you know skill or talent you know kind of the path that you choose well
1: here's the thing so when you talk about supporting roles, people put a lot of value on the lead, you know, like their status is very high because they are the lead. They're not the supporting, like the value of the supporting is not, it's not equivalent. It's not, it's not good. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's it's, not as
0: valuable. It's not
1: as valuable. you get what I'm saying? Um,
0: to lower status.
1: So people don't want to be, at least be called that, you know, they don't want to be that because of the status of it. So what are you trying to say that it's necessary for there to be supporting roles?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that goes without saying it's like number ones can't exist without the rest of the two. cast, right? <laughs> it's like, I think that's, I think that that goes without saying. But like, I, I think what you were saying and what Gary Vee was getting at is, people feel like it's either I need to be a, an entrepreneur, and make it, make it big, or I'm nothing, mm-hmm. which I think is the a path to a lot of frustration, because you're just gonna end up, and those those are probably the people that flame out because they try it for a while and, or they try it for years maybe. And they just, they never get the results that they want because they're not, they're not that type of personality. And maybe that's just because like, I feel like I have resigned myself to like, I wouldn't be the one to start this podcast. Like, I feel like that was something that, that really needed to come from you. Cause I just wouldn't, I wouldn't want to, I guess, be responsible for the idea of starting a podcast. Like I'm much more comfortable just being the one who follows your lead in it and, and helps. I feel like leading leadership happens, you know, from the front and from the back. And I don't know. I, I, I I think that self-awareness is really what Gary V was talking about and being self-aware of where your natural strengths lie is a really really valuable way to get yourself on the right path.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because some people just want to be the lead, but that's not their natural role. So they're just struggling the whole time to get to this position where it may never happen. That sounds so like pessimistic.
0: Yeah, and like as any sales leader would say, that's just a self-limiting belief. Mm-hmm. can't tell you how many times I've heard that in sales where it's like, Oh, you're just that's a self-limiting. belief." But that's belief. true. But yeah. And that's what I, I, I think the point is, and that's why a lot of what Gary Vee or, or other sort of contrarian gurus get more, more notoriety or more airtime for is because they're saying things that are kind of going against the grain of what this, Oh, you just need to work harder or, Oh, that's just a self-limiting belief. You just need to believe more and, and do what's required. But I think that there's there's value in just being like honest with yourself and about who you who you are and where you where you can contribute best. Yeah, I, have I a agree. Quote, I have a quote about that. So from the book The Speed of Trust by Stephen M. R. Covey, the son of Stephen R. Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective
1: People, which we've said ten million times.
0: Yes, but it's very important to make the distinction because they have the same name except for one letter.
1: Why would they do that? I
0: don't, they want. They like to. The, he has another son named Stephen Covey, no. but I can't remember what his middle initial is. Anyway, it's a it's a name they run in the family. I don't know. Okay. But um, it's it's a it's a quote within a quote. So it's a quote of him, and then it's also a, him talking about a quote from Jim Collins, who was. He's the author of Good to Great, which talks about w- the unique things that took some businesses from good to great while others stayed at good. And he says, quote, one thing to be careful of with regard to skills is what author Jim Collins calls, quote, the curse of competence, end quote. It's the idea that sometimes we become we become good at doing something we're not really talented in or passionate about. As my father often says, quote, your current skill set may or may not correspond with your natural talents. End quote. We need to make certain that the skills we develop don't limit or define us. At the end of the day, talent provides a deeper well than skills. End quote. Stephen M. R. Cubby. Which I think kind of sums up everything we've been talking about. Where, and I think the, the point that really nails it is, we might become good at something that we're not really talented at or passionate about. And I think that's where the skill comes in. If you're passionate about something that you're not necessarily talented in, it can still work. But it's when you're really not passionate enough to put in the work that it it's kind of, I don't know. There's a lot of
1: passion, Trump's skill and talent.
0: Maybe, maybe not like if I'm passionate about, becoming an NBA basketball player and I never have the skill or the talent for it, then I'm still probably not going to get, I to.
1: think people like being good at things. So when they, when they naturally have a talent at something, I almost feel like they will enjoy it because they get praise from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a thought.
0: Yeah. And like our couple episodes ago, where we talked about the art of persuasion most of what we do is for status anyway. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean, and we can, we can say that we do it for the love of it, but at the end of the day, we probably are doing it for status.
1: (laughs) No, I don't think so. I think it's, I think the status keeps us almost like it gets us in the door Mm because we're like, Oh, like people kind of like when I do that, you Mm -hmm. know? And maybe that's like trained at a really young age. Maybe is this controversial? What I'm saying, I don't know (laughs) if you guys have any thoughts on this, please message us (laughs) because we're open to your thoughts. Um, this is just coming to my head, but like maybe at a young age, if we have a talent at something, like obviously it comes at birth, the talent comes with us, right? Mm -hmm. So we start getting that praise at a young age and then we continue that talent. And then it's something that we realize throughout doing it all of our lives it's like you like almost can't not enjoy it
0: yeah because it's automatically reinforced
1: because again with the talent like singing like i'm sure there was praise along the way so it's like okay well i'm gonna keep doing this like people people like it people see me because i do this and um but at the same time like i love music Mm -hmm. like i I remember being in school and just be like, I, I am so glad I am a music major. Like, this is so cool. Even though a lot of it was like, Oh, I don't want to do this. Like theory and stuff like that. But just like going to the Friday or Thursday concerts. Mm -hmm. Do you remember those? I was like, this is so cool. Like, this is my degree. I don't know. It was like, and I just like love listening to music, blah, blah, blah. Like music. I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. That's just a thought.
0: No, I think it's I think it's a good ending place, because we could go in circles, yeah, forever. I f- I feel like you, you could talk about you could debate what's more important forever. But I think at the end of the day, like like you mentioned, and like the quote mentioned, we need to be self aware of where our strengths lie.
1: Because I think they can accompany, our strengths can accompany our talents or our strengths can accompany us wherever we are, you know, in little ways.
0: So, yeah. So be aware of your strengths, develop, put in the work to develop your skills and kind of balance the two based off of what seems to be working or what seems to bring you fulfillment.
1: Guys, that is the key to success right there. Let's. Let's write a book.
0: I, uh, yeah, I think that's. I think that's we're not again. saying
1: that we're solving the answer here.
0: We're not. We're not. What's
1: the question?
0: I think the question how to be, is: How do we How What's successful? more important, talent or skill? What's going to when... make you
1: successful, talent or skill? Should you pursue your talents to be successful, or should you pursue? Should you develop skills to be successful?
0: And the answer is, it depends. I don't know.
1: <laughs> the answer is, I don't know. Depends.
0: So hopefully, you gained, gained a lot <laughs> out of this. <laughs> that you figured out uh something that we I maybe haven't ju- yet, I, th-
1: but. I think it's just fun to have a conversation about it. I think that's what our podcast is all about, you know? It's just having conversations about things. Yeah. You know, and, and get people's brains working.
0: I feel like I get my brain working when we do I this. Get and I don't answer sometimes. the questions the way that I think that I'm going to answer them a lot of times and so it's kind of like we're just thinking out loud. If you're still with us, thanks. It means that you find it valuable. If you dropped off, We hope we can keep you more hooked next time.
1: (laughs) All right. And on that note, thank you for listening to the mom and dad podcast and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye. (laughs) Should we end it like that? Okay. (laughs) Bye.